0: Hello, this is the Organic BC Podcast, and I'm Jordan Marr, an organic corn grower from the Okanagan Valley and the show's current host. What you're about to listen to is a re-release of an episode originally produced for the 2022 BC Organic Conference. I hope you enjoy it! Hey everyone, this is an episode about food safety, and it's going to require a longer introduction than normal. Okay, so... In January of 2019, a new set of food safety regulations took effect called Safe Food for Canadians. These new regs represented a modernization of food safety rules in Canada that consolidated 14 sets of regulations that had overseen food safety previously. And they were going to place new requirements for food safety, traceability, and labeling for operators along the supply chain of food for human consumption. In this episode, we're going to concern ourselves with the wholesaling of fruits and vegetables destined for grocery store shelves, which Safe Food for Canadians has a lot to say about. Meanwhile, for around 20 years leading up to the implementation of Safe Food for Canadians, the fruit and vegetable industry was taking initiative to anticipate and address food safety concerns in Canada. I'm leaving out reams of detail, but the result was something most of you have heard of, Canada GAP certification. GAP stands for Good Agricultural Practices, and Canada GAP certification is a third-party program that horticultural operations can pursue to ultimately receive a stamp of approval of their food safety practices and protocols. It is a very thorough certification that has become a kind of gold standard in the industry. So if you receive it, generally speaking, the companies that buy your products can be assured that you're meeting all the requirements of safe food for Canadians' regulations. So here's a key thing to understand. If you want to sell your produce to distributors or grocery stores, you are not required by law to hold Canada GAP certification. However, you are required to adhere to the Safe Food for Canadians regulations, and so is your buyer. And from the buyer's perspective, it's much easier to simply require that you hold Canada GAP certification than have to work with you to ensure you are meeting all the rules. But herein lies a problem the costs of Canada Gap can be high, so high that our first guest has become concerned that they are excluding some small and medium scale operators from the wholesale system that they have previously relied on as a marketing channel. The first guest's name is Brody Irvin. Brody is a long time employee and recent part owner of Discovery Organics, an organic food distributor based in BC's Lower Mainland. Brody also sits on the board of Organic BC, and in the last year, he has been raising the concerns I just summarized. As you'll hear, Brody believes there are alternative approaches to consider that could maintain food safety without excluding the small and medium-sized producers that Discovery Organics has always tried to support. So you're about to hear my conversation with Brody. After that, I'll be back with a bit more context, and then you'll hear some of my conversation with my second guest, a food safety expert called Elsie Friesen. Okay, sorry story that took so long. Let's hear from Brody. Brody, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, Jordan, thanks for having me. Brody, we're going to be talking about GAP certification and the Safe Food for Canadians Act and how uh, those two are impacting organic operators who are at a scale that makes it hard to work within uh, that regulation and that certification. And you know, you're know, you on the board of Organic BC and you raised this issue um, as a concern some months ago now. So maybe you could just frame your concerns, um, as a part owner and as a buyer for, um, you know, a fairly serious distributor of organic food based in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think really, really kind of, a lot of this stuff started around 2019 when the safe food for Canadians regulations started to come into effect those, those are administered or, or, or kind of overseen by the Canadian food inspection agency. So CFIA, this is, this is a federal food safety program basically. Um, that looks at a few aspects of, of food production in Canada, um, uh, including traceability and uh, and food safety. And um, with its enactment it, it, and 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 all that, it, it, it we just found not only Discovery itself, but a lot of the other retailers around um, BC and and whatnot were. We're starting to ask or require their their suppliers to have a food safety plan, um, and no one, no one's in disagreement about that. Food safety is very serious, and it's awesome. Uh, we 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 certainly need those kinds of you know regulations or at least that kind of guidance within our food systems to just have that kind of public trust. Uh, what what's been a little bit concerning is that uh, the kind of baseline or the 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 introductory level for a lot of farms around food safety or in terms of at least a, a third party audited option has been Canada gap, which also is fine. There's not like Canada gap is pretty robust and great, but it's very much focused, or at least historically has been written and focused on uh monocrop conventional farming, um, which doesn't have a lot of flexibility or even understanding in terms of organic production methods, and certainly when you're looking at small farms who maybe are growing 40 to 50 different types of crops in one year, that there was just this really kind of like, you know, round peg, square hole thing, or, you know, the, the growers that i talked to who were ahead of this because they were, they had these, you know, some sub- retail supply relationships were, were coming into a ton of. Just really challenging and friction with Canada GAP, and and it was also becoming really expensive. A lot of the the requirements around food safety in, in the Canada GAP standard are, uh, were, we're requiring these small farms to to put in very expensive infrastructure upgrades. Yeah, so I mean, that is ultimately my main concern is that is that in the in the race to become compliant um, with these new food safety standards it is going to become unprofitable or untenable for some small farmers or medium scale farmers to, to keep up, um, to be able to still survive, especially if they've built their model around this type of distribution selling to wholesale or retail. It's, it's, it's uh inhibitive and, and a little bit scary. And I think it's counterintuitive to the intention, which, you know, we want a food safe, Plan. We want to. We want to. We want to. We want safety within our food supply chain in Canada, but we certainly don't want it to come at the expense of a small to medium sized farm.
0: Or it almost sounds like you don't think it has to. Exactly.
1: That's that's exactly it. Is is just. I think the downstream effects of all of it are starting to show. Are starting to show up. And and yeah, oh. uh, it's it's definitely a cause for concern for me. Uh.
0: Brody, could you, could you, could you give us just like a few examples about how these requirements are affecting some of the farms we're talking about, the ones that are having trouble, um, for, you know, essentially spending the money needed to, to, to be gap certified. So I don't know, do you have an example of like the kinds of investments farms are being expected to make on their farm and, or just like some examples in, um, in terms of your relationships with customers and how those have been any specific examples of how how those relationships have changed?
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean there's two two specific farmers, especially in in the Fraser Valley that I know of. Um, um one is one is Crisp Organics. They're they're based out in Abbotsford and um in terms of them in particular, I mean, they they went from being a market market grower who serviced about nine different farmers' markets in the Fraser Valley to just this year being able to just be a wholesale supplier for Discovery, um, which I mean, ultimately for them was was a great move, and it did come with knowing that you know some food safety standards are going to be applied, and there i mean to to meet the standards of canada gap they had to invest a, at least a quarter million dollars in a new bar so some pretty significant infrastructure upgrades um which i mean they're willing to do because we really gave them a lot of a lot of support and and um and in commitments in terms of our purchasing power um but that certainly isn't something that's going to be Achievable for for every grower out there, and there you know another example is another farm we work with. Um, I'll, I'll, you know they they there're multiple reasons for it in their decision making, but um, I think they ultimately kind of made the choice to grow a little bit quicker than they necessarily would have, and part of it was so that they could get you know some neighboring property that had a, a a better barn, basically, like uh, the the farm line that they were operating on just didn't have quite the infrastructure needed for all these food safety standards. So, they um, they bought into a neighboring farm that had a an upgraded barn, so that they can actually meet the standards now. Um, and it's just, you know that kind of scalability and and upgrade power isn't going to be there for everyone. Fortunately, it was for these folks in the moment at like so far um but um but pretty scary um pretty scary like financial commitments to make um so the, the, those are those are two examples in particular in terms of farms we work with who have made these upgrades and the amount of financial commitment is required
0: okay but i just want to clarify because like um i know that one reaction um one could have to that is like well okay that's the cost of of doing business um you know in a way that's food safe as demanded by um you know complex supply chains but i'm i'm guessing that you know you've emphasized you believe in food safety you you realize it's it's very important um in our complex food systems but that you what you're getting at is that um you believe that, that we can maintain stringent food safety without making certain expensive requirements, um, that are very, very hard for the small to medium operators.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's just, you know, fortunately for these people in this one case, they were able to do it. I think they're able to do it. They, I mean, they're, they're doing it anyway, <laughs> but Yeah. you know, but like, but not everybody's going to be able to 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 achieve that, and that's just it. Like I still want to be able to support the the quarter acre, um, not hobby farmer, but like new farmer who's just getting into it and is leasing a quarter acre off of some guy in mission and wants to sell me like three hundred pounds of garlic. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Like I want
1: to I want to I want to do that. I want to support that. Guy
0: and you know so do so do so do so do chains like nature's fair which like Mm -hmm. at different times as i've scaled up from a quarter acre to now more like four to five acres back when i was a quarter half acre my my local nature's fair was taking you know six to you know six to twenty bunches of radishes a week from me because their customers really appreciated that they were sourcing from a local supplier and they wanted to support me and it worked um but but that's become much much harder in light of um in light of these, uh, these new expectations and regulations.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it, and I think part of my, part of my kind of opinion of this or my frustration comes from is, is just that small market gardeners are some of the m- most food safe growers you can come across. <laughs> like they are actually on the farm every day they know 100 what's going on and like they're not going to sell anything that they wouldn't eat themselves so this is that's just i totally get it and we're all on the same page food safety matters it's just it's not serving the the small mediums as growers in a way that is 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 realistic
0: well, let's stop. Let's stop there because in in my research for this uh, episode, what I realized, which I didn't appreciate until I started doing this research, um, like as a grower, all I heard for the last even ten years is like ten years ago, it was just a whisper of warnings, like this, a regu- this these regulations are coming. Everyone's going to need Canada Gap. It's totally going to exclude, you know, small scale um, operators from from the you know from the wholesale retail system. Um, and then the whispers turned into more like it was really happening, but it was always mentioned Brody, in the context of gap gap gap, which is a, cert- a third party certification just like our, our organic certification is a third party certification, albeit with organic overseen by the CFIA. In this case, the CFIA oversees food safety in Canada and the CFIA is in charge of administering the food safety or food safe for safe food for Canadians regulations. But GAP is a third-party certification. So I just want to like make really clear, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, GAP is not required to sell to you or to sell to Save on Foods or to sell to Nature's Fair. There's a long list of food safety related requirements that are supposed to be met, but they don't have to, they don't, That that, that that's not the same thing as saying that GAP is required, which has been a big part of the problem because this GAP certification, as you mentioned earlier, requires for, in a lot of cases, some serious investments in your farm, um, as well as an an expensive um, auditing process.
1: You're 100% right. That's, that's, and I think that's one of the biggest miscommunications and misnomers in this whole thing is that with the rollout of the Safe Food for Canadians regulations, they ask for a preventative control plan, which has been misinterpreted as, or at least in terms of just the reality is is canada gaps become kind of synonymous with with this preventative control plan at least to my knowledge to the folks that i talk to but canada gap is not required a preventative a preventative control plan is um the i think the thing that's that's kind of come out of it is that like the the assumption is like the easiest way to create a kind of preventative control plan is to get canada gap certified and in some fun and in some ways, it is like for say for discovery, it, it kind of makes sense for us to become Canada GAP certified and to go through that process, because for us to create an individualized our own written preventative control plan that would be kind of meet all of the the standards that the CFA has would would just be very time consuming.
0: Um, but can I can I stop you there, Brody? Because that I wanted to get I wanted to ask you about that. I mean. It, it seems like one reason Gap has, has become kind of um, conflated with or synonymous with food uh, safe food for Canadians, um, is just that it, it makes it way simpler and more efficient for all the different members of the supply chain to, to require gap of people further up the supply chain like the farmers because then they just know that if a farmer has gap certification they're 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 good like it just it just it just is simpler for for example distributors
1: so, certainly and 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 that and I think that that is is the case and, uh, especially in the relationships that that may exist from growers directly to retailers and if the retailers are, are requiring uh gap simpler, or, or some kind of food safety plan, it's, it's just simpler because it, it, it has trust. It has public trust. It has clout. And, and to my knowledge, I don't know what other option there is uh, as a third-party audited food safety plan. I don't know what other option there is in Canada.
0: Um, okay. And- so, but, but... I, I do want to spend. We're gonna kind of broad. We're gonna come back to the broader topic in a sec, Brody. But I do want to ask you specifically. So like, so so let me set that. Um, Discovery trades like sells food interprovincially, correct? Correct. Correct. Um, this this um, safe food for Canadians regulation is actually almost entirely focused on international and interprovincial trade in food. So for the most part intra-provincial trade is not affected except for just a few in a few in a few examples or points in the regulation um specifically uh even even within a province if i the farmer want to sell into a retail outlet then i still have to be concerned with um, traceability labeling and grading that is that is required but that's way simpler than like this much larger um, part like way more regulations or or provisos in in the regulation. So I'm wondering is it even an option for you to like work with Jordan Marr the organic operator and make sure his produce is only being kept in BC and therefore being able since your goal or one of your goals is to be able to continue working with small scale diverse producers. Is it even an option to like do so in the context of, well, we're going to have a pool of producers that we make sure their products is only staying within BC. And therefore we don't have to be like wading into gap and like a much more complicated, um, control plan. Yeah. And,
1: and, and certainly we, we already do that because within the organic standard, there is the, the BCCOP, so which. Farms that are certified only to the organic standard in British Columbia, technically, if you sell that product into Alberta, you can't market it as organic. Um, so we already, within the organic standard, kind of do have these parameters of and and communicate that with customers as to as to you may see this on a price list, but it, it's only considered organic in BC. So we can. I mean, ultimately, we still can and and still do for sure want to work with small producers in BC and we can keep sales of their product locked within the boundaries of our province. So it's not that it's entirely, you know, the food safety stuff within within all of that. There's still lots of opportunity for us to work with small scale producers in BC. But my worry is just like and this happens often as already happened when we have our Canada Gap audit. They don't really get that. and so if they take note of like oh we have jordan mars you know like beats on our price list but he doesn't have a canada gap certificate they they question that and they you know like it it comes up as a non-compliance issue and then it's a conversation and it's uh and that's fine you know that's on us to to handle that stuff
0: but um so sorry can i interrupt you this is so interesting brody so yeah. If I understand you right, it it it's not that you, you know you creating certain workflows or systems to to keep my produce from a non-gap farm within the province. As you said, you're already doing that because you know what? I'm a BC COP producer. You couldn't sell my product as organic in Alberta anyway. Um, so yeah. it's it's not that it's it's that you have your own GAP certification to worry about. You you do need GAP. It is it is like um, strategically important for Discovery to have a GAP certification, and therefore you ha- maintaining this separate pool and like a separate um, essentially mini supply chain is just going to cause headaches for your own GAP certification. Is that what you're getting at? Well, that
1: I mean that's in terms of the internal. Aspect of discovery for sure and that it's a headache but it's not something that we're averse to what and really where, I, where i'm you know why i really want to raise this issue is we, do, we work with a lot of growers who do still want to sell their stuff interprovincially um and are core certified and can and they're becoming frustrated with it with with um just the you know added regulations on top of <laughs> everything else um
0: it's just I want to stay yeah. on this for a second. It's just weird. Yeah. It's weird to me. Not weird. In fact, it's it's depressingly not surprising. It's just I've read parts of the food uh, safe food for Canadians regulation, and it yeah. it stresses that this is all about inter interprovincial like international trade, and yet you're giving an example where in practice it kind of doesn't matter because in practice you still encounter pushback and headaches if you want to try and you know within the context of a province. Um, maintain kind of a separate little, you know, separate supply chain, if you will, um, to allow. So it's it wasn't supposed to happen this way. And yet, you know, a lot of the more cynical among us aren't surprised to find that it is it is just ultimately being sort of kind of enforced that way.
1: Totally, totally. And that and and I think it's just this whole this whole thing is is it's a big it's a big picture program, it's a big picture issue. And I think there's a lot of ultimately like misinformation and, and misunderstanding across the board with like Canada Gap auditors not really necessarily understanding, as particularly in this Discovery's case, that the different avenues of distribution that we that we engage with and that we just so that we can support as many growers in our in our supply chain as possible. So, so just, it's, it's it's diverse, so it's complicated and it's, and that makes it hard.
0: (laughs) But, but currently Brody, are you saying that currently discover is willing to like take on the extra headache and um, like, is that sort of how you're dealing with it currently that you're still, are you still dealing with non-gap farms and just taking on the extra headache of, of pushing back a little say against the gap auditor and or doing what you need to do to, to, to support these farms, which is, as we're discussing, if they're meeting some basic grading, labeling and, and packing requirements um, and traceability requirements, like you're not doing anything illegal. Right. So like is yeah. that, that's your current position. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. But, absolutely.
0: but there would be many purchasers in the supply chain that, that are just not interested in the extra headache and, Are just going to be like if you want to sell to us, show us your GAP certification. Yes. All right. Yes, and and that
1: happens even within intra-provincial trade, where where many suppliers ask for Canada GAP regulation or certification, and it's not even something that's required as as a part of safe food for Canadians. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, because it's important to note, or I'm going to assume you can probably confirm. if you have GAP, you're basically going to be... Co- if you are a GAP-certified operation, you're going to basically be covered as far as the um, Safe Food for Canadians regulations. But GAP is even more encompassing. Like, there's more to GAP than just covering that. Is that is that fair? Yes, that yeah. is fair. That is fair to say. Okay, so Brody, you, you've been raising this issue out of concern for... Um, you know, sales channels being eliminated for a certain scale of farm that would struggle to to engage with Canada Gap to have that certification. Let's just spend a few minutes talking about any ideas you have or questions you want to ask, whatever for like solutions to this problem that we've just been talking about. What? How do you? How do we? How do we deal with this? Well,
1: I think there's there's, there's certainly a, a few different ways, but um, I mean, my biggest big picture ideas. Are, kind of circulate around a a federal or or national solution because this isn't, this isn't just an issue in British Columbia. This is, this is a, it's an issue across Canada. It's an issue in the States uh, for a lot of the small growers I work with down there and talk to. Um, And it's just the, the onerous and the expensive aspects that are involved in growing and supplying food to people are, are getting very onerous and, and a little bit ridiculous. And I think, you know, I've, I've talked with some folks in the States and seen some movement on trying to address this, uh, especially on, on the federal level, there's an organization down there called the Organic Cent- Center, and they're engaged with the USDA and trying to create a solution. And And my inspiration for it is particularly around food safety, food safety regulations, historically do not account for, uh, or take into consideration the organic standard. Basically all of the things that organic farmers already do that are aspects of food safety and traceability for that matter. So one of my ideas for a solution is that whether it's a federal standard or a provincial one or a independent one that discovery creates on its own that we get recognition from the cfa or canada get four or whatever but some kind of way to like harmonize a food safety standard and an organic standard so that the food safety standard takes into account everything that organic farmers do already and then just adds on those supplementary checks and balances that that help create a a a really strong food safe network along with that And, you know, it's just because this is the big picture, like, this is my dream. Would that be the verification officers that come to the farm to inspect can do it all in one? So they come to inspect your farm for your organic standard, but they also come there to check your food safety stuff. It would reduce costs drastically and just create such a much more robust system. And, And there are certification bodies in the U.S. that are doing this they have a harmonized standard so that you can get certified organic and certified food safe in one visit. And it just makes so much sense to me.
0: Um, Okay. But so you're getting at what that would, one problem that would address is just like the double cost of two certifications. So, but I want to tease apart kind of part parts of your idea. So, it, seemingly your idea to like harmonize your organic certification and a food safe certification would be um, there would be a saving just in doubling up the certification, having one auditor instead of two, um, one, one certification fee instead of two. But are you, are you suggesting that it would be essentially rolling Canada gap into organic certification and everything that Canada gap entails, or would be, a, would it be a pared down simpler food safe and if so, how would that relate to you know, food safe for Canadians?
1: I think it, it would be something that, at at the very least, addresses all the safe food for Canadians requirements, um, and then also potentially you know does does look at the the extras that Canada GAP includes. And this is where you know it, it's a it's a big picture idea. It would be something that you know we'd need a, a lot of consultation with industry and and levels of government to make sure that this is something that, that everyone finds fit, you know, that, that it works, that they're going to, they're going to accept, you know, that if they get like a, you know, a a harmonized organic and food safe certificate from, from packs or from whatever, you know, that, that, that it ticks the box and that it's, it's all good for everybody.
0: I, I guess, but immediately, and this is actually will be helpful to like, um, Kind of shaping your idea, like on the fly right now, or getting at your idea. Um, as a BC COP grower, okay, so I am a regional organic or uh, operator who can only sell my stuff as organic in the province. My, I, I mean, I would be immediately concerned if I was offered if we were pursuing this, like as a community, trying to harmonize with some food safety stuff. I don't think I I think that like there's a reason I haven't pursued gap already and it's it's all the expense and onerous requirements around it. So I think I'm only going to be interested in like sections 5, 11 and 12 of the food safe, for, safe food for Canadians regulation that apply to me if I'm selling regionally. So in your <laughs> in your vision am I going to be able to just get that level of of food safety added on because otherwise it's to me it's the same nightmare if what you're proposing is let's roll kind of the gap into into bccop or cor
1: yeah totally i mean that's my my ultimate dream is that everything is is scalable and functional to the farm to the farm operation itself mm-hmm. it's insert it's in service to the farmer so like what do you what do you need to what do you need from the regulatory bodies to function and you know to sell where you want to sell mm-hmm. and that, that's that's the, that's basically the crux of the issue for me i'm just I, I don't think the top-down approach of like oh we need all the farms to do this i don't think that works i don't think it's ever worked and it's certainly not working right now mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we need it needs to be the other way around is like farmers telling regulatory bodies this is what i need so that i can sell my stuff safely mm-hmm. um and so it would be scalable to like, okay, like, and it's not, you know, it's not like a one size fits all harmonized this uh, idea. This isn't, that's not what I'm really trying to get at, but like, you know, if you only want to be certified organic, that's great. If you want to be certified organic with a little bit of food safe stuff, we got that option. That's, that's kind of the dream for me.
0: I I'm 100% behind your um, push to at least start considering what we can do. I'm a little skeptical about, like, it just sounds so daunting to, to when you suggest when you're probably right, unfortunately, that like this has to be a national effort, like essentially engaging with, I guess, the CFIA and organic certifiers and operators across Canada. That's a big, that's a big job, a big effort.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, like, I'm, I'm certainly don't think I'm the, necessarily the, I, I just think the conversation needs to get started. Um, Cause Uh, It's what is concerning for me is that small scale farms are going out of business because the the, they can't keep up and they can't afford it.
0: Okay, well, let me throw a counter idea at you, which I've already touched on a little bit. I mean, instead, could it could the could the approach be we need we need the CFIA and the GAP program to be aware of the unintended impacts on small up towards medium scale operators. And we need education for, for the GAP certifiers and auditors um, that there are going to be examples like discovery out in BC that are only going to require of their regional su- uh, su- suppliers selling into the regional or like intra-provincial uh, market Um a bare minimum of requirements as outlined in the safe food for Canadians regulation. Like, is it just, is there a simpler way of simply um, education for, for the people on the ground who are actually making things challenging, even though they weren't supposed to be this challenging for Jordan Marr, the small scale, diverse organic operator.
1: You're you're totally right. I think, I think, you know, like the harmonized stuff is, is kind of like the big picture idea for me in terms of something I think might be helpful for, a lot of farmers who do do sell stuff interprovincially that sells you know that are that are, or export for that matter um, and the simpler solution absolutely is either just helping educate everyone within the systems that are currently running and 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 or so either working with Canada GAP or working with with another partner to basically create a a third party audited food safety program that in that in at least recognizes organic standards and the aspects of the aspects of food safety that are already touted and written within it
0: so how as far as the idea of, of some sort of harmony between organic regulations and food safety regulations which is the kind of the core of your idea um what stage are you at just this stage just kind of um hashing out ideas or have have you like what buttons have you tried to push or you know what avenues have you pursued
1: Yeah. I mean, mostly it's just been conversational at this, at this point, just trying to raise awareness. Um, I have been in touch with, um, with Emma Holmes at the ministry of agriculture, food, and fisheries. Um, and she's, she's given me some good guidance and contacts in terms of how to elevate this conversation. And I have been in touch with Tia Loftgard at the, uh, Canadian Organic Trade Association based in Ottawa as well. They are are having a uh, organic summit conference in January and I do know that one of the workshops will be specifically around food safety standards and I I think there will be on that panel um, a member of the, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. I'm hoping that maybe a Canada Gap representative or somebody will be there. And then hopefully, um, either um, you know, an, an, somebody representing the organic industry as well, whether that's a large scale organic farmer, which I think would be really great to get their perspective about all of this as well. Uh, so those, those are the basic things that I've done. It's just like, I'm starting to get in contact with, with folks that are involved either in government or at, at the CFAA.
0: Well, Brody, that's, that ain't, that ain't nothing. That's, that's, um, it's really great that you've, that you've taken this on and taken some initiative. I mean, I'm saying that as a, an operator who's potentially affected by this. I mean, I really just, I guess I want to say, thank you. Thank you for raising this issue and thank you for trying to figure out a way through.
1: Yeah, well, it's something that's, uh, I'm extremely passionate about. As we've seen uh, with the current, basically uh, natural disasters that have, that have impacted our province. The reason why I'm so passionate about this is that this is this is food security. This is food security at its barest bones. To me, in terms of uh, localized and regional areas, your food security is completely ultimately in the hands of the local farmers in your area. If we're not doing everything that we possibly can to support them and make them profitable and make them continue to operate, then we are doing extreme disservice to, to everyone and, and, and putting communities at risk. And it's, uh, so it's, this is real. It's uh, like, I'm passionate about it because I think it really, really matters.
0: (laughs) Brody, thanks for getting on the phone and talk to me about it.
1: Absolutely. Jordan. Absolutely. Anytime.
0: All right. So that's Brody Irvin. Now what's left for this episode is that I'm going to take you on a bit of a tangent and then attempt to bring everything together with some final thoughts from yours truly. So here's the tangent. With my next guest, I want to spend a few minutes exploring how operators affected by this issue might problem-solve their way to maintaining their wholesale relationships without obtaining GAP certification. My guest's name is Elsie Friesen, and she's a food safety expert and educator who worked on food safety with the Ministry of Agriculture in BC from 2008 to 2021. Incidentally, I was put in touch with Elsie by our Organic Sector Industry Specialist with the Ministry. Thanks, Emma. Elsie is going to provide an alternative to Canada Gap in two contexts. When you're selling to your local grocery store within BC, that is, to a store that does not move what they buy from you across provincial borders. And in the second context, when you want to sell to a company that does business across provincial borders. Before that, though, I should mention that Elsie and I spoke for an hour, and I'm only including a few minutes here. So to do justice to Elsie's point of view, I want to start by including a clip featuring Elsie's views about food safety, namely that it's really important, and that she worries that operators spend too much time seeing food safety regulations for its costs, rather than for the benefits they offer a producer. Here's Elsie. Elsie Friesen, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast.
2: Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for inviting me. Just before I get into those types of certification, uh, I want to just comment on something you mentioned about the cost. Um, In all the the years that I've done workshops and uh, talked to uh, growers, that's always the first thing that comes up. And I often uh, think, what if we sell this a little bit differently rather than on cost? uh, Look at food safety knowledge uh, from the benefits it gives you. And, I don't know if uh, we can always equate cost to some of those things, but if you look at the benefits rather than just the cost, uh, it'll kind of give you a little different perspective than when we go through the different options of certification. So uh, just several of these costs are quality. Uh, quality is is a big thing on most growers' uh, Priorities, uh, I think. But did you know that food safety implementation actually really supports quality of your product? Uh, another one is value-added. So many small small growers want to value-add. Um, so if you think of value-adding to your vegetables or to your fruits, and let's say you want to make some wine or jams and jellies, well, that will take a certain amount of investment and you're certainly going to have to do food safety at that value-adding process steps. Whereas I see um, doing food safety is a value-adding process or product to your products already. And uh, it supplies not only, uh, it can reduce your insurance costs, but it adds assurance in the fact that you have a paper trail, and then definitely, uh, as far as for organics, uh, organic growers, if you're certified to organic standards, you're a third of the way there. You've already in you've already um, paid attention to all the chemical uh, hazards that will uh, would affect your product. So that's um one third of the food safety program uh because the food safety program uh looks at it from how how do you uh take care of the hazards how do you prevent them from taking over and they are biological hazards chemical hazards and physical hazards so you already uh have one, you're one third of the way there so uh so in that sense the cost is uh, will be partially reduced uh, the cost of time And some of the other, Um, and it also has given you a a really good foundation for how to uh, what it will take to implement um, the biological prevention practices and any physical things that you need to to look at. So, in a sense, some of these benefits will indirectly or even directly kind of um, take care of that cost factor that that so many people uh, bring up right away. So. Um, so hopefully that helps, helps a bit.
0: Okay. So now you're going to hear Elsie talk about a couple different options, depending on where you're trying to sell. The first situation is if you're selling to a wholesale buyer, such as a local grocery store that does not move goods across a provincial border. In that case, there are no regulations saying you must have a food safety plan, but here's Elsie talking about a situation where the buyer expects you to be able to demonstrate good food safety practices.
2: So, provincially, there actually is no regulatory uh, mandate that you have to implement food safety at the farm level. Uh, however, having said that, there is what we call the BC Good Agricultural Practices Guidelines, and they're on the Ministry of Agriculture website. And uh, there there is a manual to go with it, Uh, but all the templates and all the information is online.
0: So so if I have, if as a grower, I have a small grocery store locally like that, that, that would buy my produce, can you expand on that a bit? What, like from start to finish, what exactly do I need to do? It sounds like what I need to start with is reviewing the BC GAP guidelines and then basically developing a food safety plan for my farm and being able to demonstrate that I've done that. Is that my starting point?
2: Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, that manual, uh, that's online. It just takes you through a decision tree, sort of a flow chart to help you understand of all the different practices. Uh, and there's 10 of them, uh, that are listed in, in the manual and you go through each one and just get an understanding of, of why or, or where the impact comes uh, into that practice on how to kind of get that food safety mindset. And so this BC Good Agricultural Culture Practice Guidelines give you, give you those three elements. One, understanding why you should be aware of food safety within that certain practice how to implement it into your practice, and then how do you put that food safety practice in from an oral state into a written state uh, so that somebody can review and see what you did a year, uh, a month ago, a week ago, or during your harvesting time, uh, how did you handle handle that product, product rather than just uh, orally I tell you I'm, I'm doing it. Rather, you're showing them how you're doing it. You're putting your story down on paper, and uh, and then they can read it for themselves. So uh, that's that's the maybe the best way I can explain it. And uh, if you can, as a small grower, get that across to your buyer, uh, they'll usually, you know, that's the thing about being local. You know each other. Uh, you meet each other in under different community circumstances and so uh, yes they want to believe you, Uh, they want it all done in a handshake but yet there's that certain amount of assurance that they need and that's what you're you're supplying, your value adding that to your product uh, um, on behalf of the the buyer that you're adding that assurance um, in a written form.
0: Okay, so you are recommending that someone like me, a producer like me, uh, really know the BC GAP guidelines, perhaps have a plan uh, written up and go and be able to show that grocery store that I am taking food safety seriously. And on top of that, that I'm meeting whatever... uh, specific requirements are necessary, such as, you know, if there, I I believe there are some requirements around labeling and traceability, even within, you know, provincial borders. So do I have you roughly correct there that what you're recommending and emphasizing in that context is food safety is paramount. The farmer or operator should take it seriously, but if they are taking it seriously, then it just becomes about communicating that to the local store Um, so that everyone can feel good about the transaction. Yes. All right. So now let's go to the example of selling produce to Discovery Organics. Discovery Organics moves some of the produce it sells across provincial borders, which makes Discovery and its suppliers subject to oversight by the CFIA, Canadian Food Inspection Agency. Because of this oversight, Elsie points out that there's an approach a farmer who wants to avoid Canada Gap certification can take. It goes like this. First, you would ask Discovery Organics to write a letter stating its intention to buy your produce. Next, you would come up with a food safety plan for your operation that addresses all of the rules laid out in the Safe Food for Canadians regulations. Elsie says the BC Good Agricultural Practices Guidelines would be a good place to start. Next, you would hire a food safety expert to look over your plan to ensure it passes muster. Finally, you apply to the CFIA for a license to sell your food into the wholesale system, which any operator selling food into the interprovincial wholesale food chain is required to do anyway. The license costs $250 and renews every two years. You submit your letter of intent from Discovery and your approved food safety plan, and regardless of your size, the CFIA will be mandated to come and inspect your operation. If you pass inspection, you're good to go. I'll let Elsie fill in a couple of details. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop at this point, Elsie, and and we're gonna do a bit of a review here because I think we're getting somewhere as far as our goal for this conversation. Um, okay. I think what you've just described is a way to um, a way to be to be able to accommodate the small scale grower with a little bit more flexibility. What I what I'm hearing from you is that a Discovery Organics would need to produce a letter saying that we, we intend, we wish to buy from, from this producer. Um, from there, the producer needs to, uh, come up with a thorough food safety plan. Perhaps they could use, um, BC gap guidelines as, as the kind of source of, of building their plan. And at that point, they can then, oh, and you're suggesting they need to um, have that plan reviewed by a credible person. Can you expand on that? What, who, would, who would they hire to review the plan?
2: Okay, so who is a knowledgeable person in food safety? So there are a number of foods, uh, food technologists out there who have a good grounding in food safety. Uh, and they often work at the processing level. However, more and more are starting to be, um, consultants out there. Uh, so, uh, uh, I know I'm putting my shingle out there, uh, to do that, uh, for, uh, you know, a few growers. Uh, but there are more and more coming out. There are also some students from, um, the UBC, uh, food sciences program who, um, certainly, uh, could, um, as a summer job, you could probably hire them to look at your food safety, uh, program and evaluate how you've implemented it. And, um, and they could sign off because they certainly, um, are looking, um, for jobs. So maybe hiring, uh, um, a second or third year student who's in the food sciences program. And so that's who would be a knowledgeable person who you could certainly, um, you can certainly hire, uh, on a short term, you know, or even just a contract to for them to come and look, review your program and how you've implemented it. So it's a good thing to to do this probably uh, at the beginning or the beginning of the year or at some point where they can actually see what you have in place and uh, you can uh, show them. Uh, well, this is how I do the practice, or this is how we how we. Re- do the record keeping, uh, you know, while it's being done. And, uh, and just like the actual audits, inspections, uh, they will only happen um, when when the operation is actually active. Uh, so, so you don't see CFIA inspectors or auditors auditing during the winter. And so they will want to do that during a growing season.
0: Okay, so that, that was helpful. So do I have the order right? So you have your buyer's letter, you have a great food safety plan, you've had it evaluated by an expert and perhaps that comes with a letter of, you know, a stamp of approval of some sort. Is that the yes. point then that you would go to the CFIA and apply to get a license and, and that would come with having an inspection on your operation?
2: Yes. Right. So then you would submit that all and uh, to to CFIA. Uh, along with your check uh for at present uh for two hundred and fifty dollars for two years and uh yeah, and they would then send out an inspector and you would then uh get that approval uh that you need to show uh to your uh discovery organics people that yes uh i I'm following uh the food safety program and practices. As is required um, from their their point of view, that's that it is being uh, implemented on your farm on a day to day basis, uh, which is what they want to know.
0: Would you would you would you predict that that if you're small enough, you might have a hard time getting the CFIA to come and review your operation? Like, is can they do that? Can they say no to your to your application if they think it's not worth their time under limited resources?
2: Not if you can prove to them that you're selling outside of the borders mm-hmm. if you're if you're selling to a national buyer that is um, that has to meet national standards because they of course, because they're buying and selling, um, and and that's their right. So in that sense, CFIA cannot refuse one of the national buyers, one of their suppliers. Because they know that in in order for this national buyer to meet the federal requirements, uh, they have to go and inspect uh, anybody who supplies a national buyer, and so um, they might question your volume at being very small. But if you meet all their requirements, which is to have that letter of proof that you're selling to a national buyer, and you have a written food safety program which checks all the boxes of food safety and traceability, and being signed off by uh, a knowledgeable expert, a knowledgeable person. Um, then, um, then yes, they they ha- they have to. Their mandate is then to come and inspect you.
0: So we're at the end of this exploration of non-Canada-GAP approaches to meeting food safety requirements. I am going to return to Elsie one more time, however, because at the very end of our conversation, she mentioned something that relates to Brody's wish to explore a harmonization of organic certification and Canada Gap certification. Essentially, in parts of our conversation you didn't hear, Elsie points out that one third of Canada Gap program is concerned with chemical contamination of food. And since organic producers already have to worry about chemical contamination for their organic certification, they've already got that part mostly covered. Take her in for a landing, Elsie.
2: Because they also cover chemical in their food safety program, they they would really like to work with the Organics Association. However, as organic growers, you may have to reach out to them to see whether or not you can get a working relationship uh, by which their program would um, kind of be in partnership with your organic program. and. And an example of that is Costco. Uh, Costco accepts Canada Gap, but they have a few differences. And so Costco adds on an addendum to the Canada Gap for if you want to sell to Costco, then you have to do Canada Gap plus the Costco addendum. Well, Canada Gap would work very similarly. I I think it would work. Uh, however, those are discussions that need to be between the Organic Association and Canada Gap, and this third option is really for if, for for growers that have more volume who really want to sell into the global market. Uh, but it also gives you, if you go to their website and download their um, their their manual, you can really see what a more involved food safety program would look like if you go the CFIA route. And so that's just a bit of an explanation on what's known as a third party or Canada gap uh, that, uh, that people hear about. Uh, and that is readily available to anybody going grow, uh, in Canada.
0: And a really helpful example. Elsie Friesen, thanks again. This was just uh, so informative. You're most welcome. All right, so here are my final thoughts. One thought is that the alternatives to Canada GAP certification that I just laid out here are probably more challenging than I make them sound. Sure, they may allow you to avoid the cost of Canada GAP certification, but for example, if you're gonna create your own plan and apply for CFIA certification, you may end up having to make the same kinds of expensive investments in infrastructure that Brody outlined in my conversation with him. In other words, Brody points to Canada GAP certification as not being particularly accommodating to small-scale diversified organic farms, but it could very well be that safe food for Canadians is just as inflexible. Or maybe not. I'm not entirely sure, but at least this little foray has provided an alternative for some of you to look into. What I think we have learned, though, is that the idea of incorporating an optional food safety certification add on to organic certification wouldn't necessarily have to be a harmonization with Canada Gap. Ultimately, it is safe food for Canadians that producers must adhere to. So it seems like the possibility exists to build a food safety program from scratch that is more reflective of the context of diverse organic operations. Anyway, I'm pooped and this episode is over. Thanks again to Elsie and to Brody. There's not much more to say, so we'll finish things off with my four-year-old son, Levon, reciting clauses from the Canadian Organic Standards General Principles and Management document. 7.2.11.1 Belts shall be made of food-grade materials.